0: Welcome back to Mind Rolling. Raghu Marcus here, and I'm with my partner, David Silver. And we never do it that way, but uh, Dave insisted this time. That he's sick and tired of repeating his own name. And if the announcer could please just repeat his name, he'd be very happy, right? Yeah, I'm thrilled now. You, <laughs> um, You sound very thrilled. Dave? Hey, yep. tell me what that uh, – I love that you just were commenting on something before we went live here, um, and it uh, had to do with coffee. Can you tell tell us – I think it's a great thing to tell the whole – all of our well, friends out there. you know,
1: I've only recently become sort of a coffee
0: person. Most of my
1: life I really wasn't interested, but now I am. But I can't eat sugar so for various reasons, and coffee without sugar is a pretty nasty kind of – daily morning
0: torture there's people who drink did you see these people who drink it completely black have you you these people are like you know hercules or something i don't know
1: how they do it because if i do that ever on the occasions when i've had to do it there's no milk no sugar my stomach goes into a twisted kind of horrible objection and says why are you doing this is a knife in my intestines so slight melodrama there but anyway this article said that coffee was good for your eyes it's also got antioxidants, which most of you probably know because you're so hip. But it's good for your retina because retina tends to um, deteriorate as you get older. In fact, I, I think from a fairly early age. You get age.
0: floaters. You get floaters. Right. You know yes. those floaters? I have them. Yeah. They're like We across. all have them. That's yeah. why you got to drink a lot more coffee, anybody who's, you know, yeah. in your 20s, 30s.
1: Drink coffee. And, and it, it's good for, you know, the mice that they tried it on had super 20-20 vision, <laughs> <Yeah>. like immediately. <laughs> And these mice were so the happy; they have never really seen stuff before, apparently.
0: Really? Wow.
1: Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going on beyond any reason on this now. But you we'll know, have, you have a don't... lot of
0: jittery people out there, you know, drinking a bunch of <laughs> coffee, <laughs> listening to this shit. Um, so, uh, listen, you said, uh, let's. There's, I love this article. You sent. He's David. Sent me an article. Everybody, you know, he uh, usually I'm finding the articles, but this time and uh, it's scientists claim that quantum theory proves, proves okay, that's bigfalutin words, consciousness moves to another universe at death. Another universe. What, what other universe? It'd be interesting well, to know, but can you yeah, introduce I mean, us?
1: This guy, this physicist, is called Robert Lanza, Lanza, which there are two other Lanza's that I know of. One is Mario Lanza, uh, who was a famous tenor yeah. in the 50s, and the other one is the kid that killed people. But anyway. Um, what about Mario Andretti? Andretti? <laughs> what do you mean? It's called Lanza. Uh. Anyway, Mario, no idea. We're, we're going in, in many directions because this article is about going in many directions, multiverses and multiple universes. Anyway, Lanza wrote this book called Biocentrism. Uh, how life and consciousness are the keys to understanding the nature of the universe. I bought this book about a year ago, and I confess, and I'm a real, you know, book bookish type of guy. <laughs> and I couldn't really get through it, to be honest with you. I'm sure you could because you're much smarter than me out there. But this article is good enough because it sort of says what he's into. And basically what he's saying is something that Raghu and I and many others on this thing have said, which is it is consciousness that creates the material universe not the other way around. That's the sort of fulcrum of the whole article, Roger. Do you want to just talk about that?
0: You know what it I is, like when it says here, uh, the, you know, about this book, that it stirred up the Internet, because why did it stir up the Internet? Okay? There's the reason why this book um, got the attention of a lot of people. Because it contained a notion, a notion that life does not end when the body dies. Some kind of notion that that... <laughs> That attracted a lot of people. So, um, I guess this notion has been around for millennia and, uh, the Tibetans and everybody else who has the experience of being with, um, complete masters, uh, over matter and, uh, they, uh, they, they, there wasn't a notion. There's no question of a notion about reincarnation, obviously. Uh, now what's happening, and that's why this is interesting, because science has really taken a whack at, you know, neuroscience in particular, about confirming what the Tibetans, uh, in one case, are saying. I mean, you know, we love the, we love the uh, Tibetan uh, vision of reality or roadmap, shall we say? So uh, we use them in this case. But it's true that the Dalai Lama is working with uh, scientists on just this kind of thing. So in one way, this is like left field. What? This is a notion suddenly. Uh, and in another way, uh, to a, to a, a broad uh, audience, of course, you know, this is not something anybody thinks about too much. Like when the body dies, that's, a, you know, right there, that's a toughie. And then um, the idea that there is something that moves forward that has nothing to do with your self-identity—that's, you know, an investigation, of course, that's been going on forever. Um, but you know, his, here's something interesting, Dave. He points to the structure of the universe itself and that the laws, forces, and constants of the universe appear to be fine-tuned for life, implying intelligence existed prior to matter. That's, that's pretty interesting. What do you get out uh, yeah. of that? Yeah, you- his, his whole premise is a bit about that, because,
1: you know, sort of like Chopra says this too, Deepak Chopra says about non-local consciousness being behind this particular incarnation at any time, mm. And that he's saying, yes, but he goes further and says, well, consciousness must have existed before a material physical universe because it fine-tuned it so beautifully so that we could live in it and we'd be completely happy within it. You know, on my run this morning, it's spring now in, in New York, and many creatures pass, my, pass me by. You know, a lot of butterflies, white ones, and robins and squirrels and creatures. And I'm just looking at, you know, even in this time of weirded out ecology and all the things we know about that are very dangerous to the planet's health, you can still go in the country and and encounter these creatures that are just perfectly fitting together. And You know, there's some Mm -hmm. daffodils near where I live. You you go near the daffodil, it has this fragrance. It's not there, you can't eat it. It doesn't work. It's not part of the economy. Uh, It has no opinion. And yet, just there it is to make us happy i know that sounds kind of naive but that, i think he's sort of talking about the fine tuning the the sun is exactly 93 million miles away which means it can warm us without killing us the moon is 270,000 what it doesn't fall into the ocean and create tidal waves every 5 minutes i know there's a lot of catastrophes going on and that's very much part of this that the intelligence behind this cannot control the the sort of um pollutive behavior of mankind in the last 2,000 years. Well, intelligence doesn't
0: control. He also claims that space and time are not objects or things, but rather tools of our animal understanding, tools of our animal understanding, space and time. And he says that we carry space and time around with us like turtles with shells. Meaning that when the shell comes off, which is space and time, we still exist. That's a great analogy, actually. It is. That, that's a wonderful little piece. The more I, you know, now that I've read this a few times, let me. I'll, just. I'll, I'll read it again. So the, the universe appears to be fine tuned for life, implying intelligence existed prior to matter. And intelligence is not. There's no positive, negative. There's no duality. So there's no controlling, non-controlling, none of that. It's not rational. He also claims that space and time are not objects or things, but tools. You know, so tool meaning they are an excellent way for us to operate on this plane of consciousness, on relative plane of consciousness, right? Space and time. What time is it? We've got to do our podcast, you know? Everything is predicated, on that, and we carry that space and time around with us, like turtles with shells. Meaning that when the shell comes off, space and time, we still exist. I mean, that's pretty a rational kind of a statement. It's you know, wouldn't you say that people, we could get a little bit of, we could connect with something like that, with that statement. Well, it's the opposite of deterministic and post-Cartesian materialism.
1: Cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore, I am. Postcard. Did you say? Yeah, Descartes' statement, "Cogito, ergo sum." Descartes, therefore, I am. It's not. It's really, I am, therefore, I think, and in other words, the opposite of rationalism, because rationalism didn't really start happening until the so-called Enlightenment, which is exactly not the Enlightenment, but in the 18th century, Mm -hmm. and Descartes, in the 17th century, I guess, said, you know, that the physical brain. And everything creates such a complex thing that it is, in fact, consciousness, and therefore we think. Whereas, you know, Ramana Maharshi and Ramdas would say, no, wrong. Um, the consciousness is there and it chooses to inhabit various vehicles and then moves on. And, you know, if you ask Ramdas about death, he'll say it's just another moment. He doesn't say it's any big door that slams in your face. It's just a continuum. And I think that's what the the thing is that scientists, you know, sort of torture themselves about things that the great meditators just go, yeah, man, of course. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Rastas.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm the universe, man.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Anyhow, the theory implies that death of consciousness simply does not exist. It only exists as a thought right because people identify themselves with their body so you know this is the crux of every mystical uh, tradition it's you know i mean uh, all the w- the work that you and i have been involved with for many many years and how i know that we respond in tune uh, to people's queries about how to just deal with the day to day and caught in thoughts and caught in roles and all of that and you know this this is the supposition by which you know is the uh, it, it's basically the rudder of everything it's cuz this ident- you know i mean you take acid and you you know that immediately you know that this this is a sheath and and then if the acid is strong enough it starts to go and that's when people get terrified some people do get terrified of uh you know, losing their identity. And um, so this is great because it's coming from a kind of, you know, scientific, rational perspective, you know, um, and all of these things. And I think, and that's, I am sure that's why His Holiness the Dalai Lama is doing this work, because as this happens from that direction, you know, uh, beyond confirming the spiritual truths, it allows people who are more bent to that kind of m- mind the rational mind scientific mind to suddenly uh, be able to expand, like um Einstein, of course, that was a reality for him, which is maybe one of the reasons why he could expand and um, f- discover something that to d- even today is is a basis for you know sci- you know scientific uh research uh.
1: And it's it's kind of like the early days of this, because, I mean, quantum theory and relativity are connected. And Einstein is a very spiritual dude, really, even though he didn't come off as that in, in the scientific world. But E equals mc squared, you know, I could spend my whole life thinking about that and trying to come up with what it actually means. But that's why, you know, people who are slow-witted like me have to go to Ramana Maharshi or, or Maharaji or, or, you know, a few... Uh, beings that live in that beyond time and space and can just look at us and go, come on, you don't need to be reading these books. Just sit with me for a few minutes and, and imbibe and release yourself from all this dualism, you know. But of course, it's not that easy. So you're right, Ragu. I mean, there are people who are so, you know, rational that they, you know, uh, a relative of mine, you know, just gets on me all the time about how can you believe in this balderdash? And I say, well, did you balderdash. ever... Balderdash. Well, he doesn't use that word. I'm using that word. But, you know, Great he, word. he meant that, you know, and he can't see it. He just thinks that I'm, you know, a lunatic, really kind of, you know, got good words and can argue, but basically a lunatic because and then if I get into quantum and qualia with him, he just says, well, that's a whole different thing, isn't it? They're not connected. I mean, and, and in fact, what Lance is saying here. And certainly what Chopra says is that the, 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 the description of the structure of the universe is actually a spiritual construct mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because consciousness precedes, you know, the creation of physical universes. Then he goes on, to talk about multi-universes, which is something, you know, multiple worlds he talks about, that we all exist in, possibly at any rate, we all exist in different universes. That's why the multiverse exists. And every time we make a, a decision, the other decision we don't make could be being experienced by a doppelganger or a version of us in another universe, and it splits up endlessly. So that if I decide, like yesterday, we were going to do the podcast, right? But you were too busy, and I was a bit sleepy, and we came to a, you know, you said, "Well, should we do it?" And I, well, let's do it tomorrow. And it's like the butterfly effect or something, you know. The, uh, you know, we, 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 the fluttering of a wing of a butterfly in Texas affects something that's going on in Alpha Centauri. It's hard to digest that, but it is true. I think. I mean, it, it makes sense that we all affect everything else, and interdependence is the is the thing. The it's foundation. The thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: I hate to interrupt you, but you know, in the beginning, we before we even got on, we were saying we have a real problem here, and we straight out before we talk about anything, we need to discuss the fact that uh, this p- people out there are not committing to the amazon uh, portal on mindrollingpodcast.com and uh, and th- this has really af- affected your consciousness today so i feel like you know we can't go any uh, further without you uh, at least get it off your chest
1: yeah we got poultry a parsimonious, an insignificant old, invisible check from fucking Amazon today, which I almost used to light a non-existent cigarette with. Because you're not doing it. You can't be. Even those people who say you love us and you think we're great, which we, you know, we like, because you know where he goes. But, it's not enough. And what's going on is that you're not using the Amazon portal, and you've got to. You've got to go to the website, mindrolling.com Go to no the top... Mind-rolling podcast. Mindrolling rolling <laughs> Please. It's, this is the 66th podcast, and I still have got that wrong. Anyway, don't blame me. Go to it and find the portal, and, and, and you know, just it's at the top of the page, and just bookmark it. And every time you want to buy something, you know, be it a, a lithium battery or a, a version of the Ramayana or, you know, a, a set of winter underwear or whatever, <laughs> just do it through our Amazon portal. And if you don't, I'm going to be pissed because we can't deal with this. We can't have nobody contributing and frankly when i saw this check this morning i was like uh i mean come on folks i mean do we're asking you to send us money that's great if you send money and we people do and we love you but in this world where there's so many things that we can contribute to and some of them are very very serious and so on it's hard maybe to, to do that but it is not hard to buy something from Amazon when you're already going to do it, and it doesn't cost you any extra, and we get some shekels from it that help us continue with this. If you don't start doing it, we're out of here.
0: We, we have a, a few people bought T-shirts, Dave, and, and we, we had to order more.
1: So they're, well, they're a better class of people. I'm so angry with the Amazon people.
0: The Amazon. No, done this before, when There's did... no Amazon people. Everyone is Amazon. We are all Amazon, okay? Yeah. Jeez, well,
1: yeah, come on, use the portal and and do it and help us out because we can't. This still, you know, it, it's it's not. It it needs support, so do it. And if you're listening right now, and you're driving your car, you can't do anything. Just remember that I said to do it and to do it. And then you're at home, you know, just buy something, even if you don't need it. Get some matches. <laughs> buy some matches. Okay, buy a, a matches. No,
0: don't don't buy matches. Okay, buy. How about you know suggesting something that people. Would love like you know new music. Uh, what can I tell you? New. Um, I I can give you a tip on some new music. Everybody, yeah. guys out there, yeah. Uh, Ray Lamontagne has a new record, and it is it harks back to like late '60s stuff and Beatles stuff. I mean, it's completely not what he was uh, doing before. I mean, you know, it's it's out of that. Um, really out of that singer song or anything i think dan auerbach uh produced it and uh i listened to just sample cuts and i'm about to get it myself and i'm going right to amazon to do it so uh so you know that's a that's that's a great yeah, thing uh, to do
1: krishna Das's album kirtan well it's wonderful get oh, yeah. it yeah right. blondie's album
0: comes out she's got
1: an actual album out one two a double set or something with one which is a remastering of her old hits you know that we all know uh, of the band's old hits and and eight or nine new songs of which I've heard three and they're pretty interesting, Blondie for goodness sake from the distant past. Beck's new album is great.
0: Fantastic. You know, I mean, ja by them, new album great. I'm going
1: to list now. Pay my children's books.
0: Any of them? Any one of them? <laughs> all of them? Get them. All right. Okay. Calm down, please. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, do you feel better now? Then I do. I, I do. feel better that you did that, and I I would have done it had you not. But I can't, it maybe wasn't going to be as passionate. That was very passionate. <laughs> but, you know, it's somewhat threatening, too, though. I mean, you we, we can't be threatening anybody. Well, they know I'm a complete softy and I wouldn't do anything to anybody. Right. But, you know, we just want you to help. Okay, there you go. You wanted to wind, that last thing got it right in there. It was perfect. Um, going back, before we start uh, talking again about uh, multiverses, was it multi? I think well, to me, two I things. Th- multi- Multiple worlds, a multiverse, yeah. And what about the multiplex? I mean, that's, it sounds like <laughs> that's what it's about. A bunch of different movie theaters, which is really what they're talking about. You're right. Yeah. It's a very so, good analogy. Yeah, right? there you go. If the body generates consciousness, then consciousness dies when the body dies. But if the body receives consciousness in the same way that a cable box receives satellite signals then of course consciousness did not end at the death of the physical vehicle. In fact, consciousness exists outside of constraints of time and space. It is able to be anywhere, in the human body and outside of it. In other words, it is non-local in the same sense that quantum objects are non-local. And, you know, that's, that's right down the pike, isn't it? I mean, that's just exactly... Uh, that could be your best rational explanation of what uh, moves from one vehicle to another. In reincarnation. What reincarnates? And uh, you know that. Uh, I thought that was great. I'm really, I think this is great stuff, Dave. You did. This is it is. It is. This
1: this article really sums it up well. Where did, where, where did I find this? So I'll have to check that out. Uh, it was in the Times. Well, the Times talks about this man. Uh, Robert lanza and he 's one of these you know there are others around too the holographic universe people um whose names i 've temporarily forgotten, but you know those people too who talk about the universe as being a hologram um w- with life with felt life with divinity in it you know this is a um,
0: a website dave spirit science and dot com there you go, so I bet there's some great uh stuff on that um Yes, yeah, someone, a, a wonderful person from North Carolina,
1: um, uh, which is where Rago and Saraswati live, let me just read this. Theoretical physicist Laura Mersini-Horton from the North Carolina University with her colleagues argue, the anomalies of the microwave background exist due to the fact that our universe is influenced by other universes existing nearby. And holes and gaps are a direct result of attacks on us by neighboring universes, not hostile attacks, but just interweaving of universes and causing things like black holes and various forms of, of massive gravitational urges. So uh, this physicist, like many others, is blowing apart, you know, that kind of old-fashioned theory that you look up there and uh, there's a bunch of planets and stars and there they are and here we are. Uh, she's saying, amongst others, that... Um, You know, we're intersecting with other universes. And our karma, uh, depending on decisions that we've made, um, can lead us into multiple universes at the same time. So that, you know, there can be a version of Raghuramarkas in, you know, in in KG17473D universe Mm. that's, you know, a totally different person because of one decision that was made by... You know ragu, and there's another one existing somewhere else that's doing something slightly
0: different. Okay, that sounds really uh, unappetizing. Uh, Handling (laughs) just thinking of more than one of me in any way is, huh?
1: No, I'm good with that. You're good with it you know you could have a whole rainbow of ragus. (laughs) How about that for a poem? That's my next album, the Rainbow of Ragus.
0: Yeah. Why don't you tell my wife that and see if she's up for that? Yeah, I mean, the great thing about this article, though, actually, is that he does make
1: you think about all of this uh, in a way that is, is pretty, you know, it, it stirs up the consciousness. Or not the consciousness, it stirs up the mind. Um, he says, consciousness, or at least proto-consciousness, is theorized to be a fundamental property of the universe, present even at the first moment of the universe during the Big Bang. In one such scheme, proto-conscious experience is a basic property of physical reality accessible to a quantum process associated with brain activity. He talks about these tubules, these quantum tubules within our own atomic molecular structure in the brain that are, in fact, guiding our perceptions. And the very fact we can have perceptions is due to this quantum reality.
0: Mm. Mm. I... Yeah, i
1: yeah. that I understand now. Can we? Can we... <laughs> I'm kind of lost. What the fuck? But you know,
0: I had no idea really of what you were just talking about. Um, it uh, because when we start, to, I like the rainbow of ragus. After that, I got completely lost. Went downhill. I yeah, know. I um, know. but I do want So the last thing they talk about is soul, right? And that's of interest. Soul, yeah. Um. Our souls are in fact constructed from the very fabric of the universe and may have existed since the beginning of time. Our brains are just receivers and amplifiers for the proto-consciousness that is intrinsic to the fabric of space-time. So is there really a part of your consciousness that is non-material and will live on after the death of your physical body? Yes. That is <laughs> the conclusion of this article is that it's absolutely now proven that um, something moves on. Something is unborn and undying. And uh, so that's why I love this article because it just absolutely, uh, here's they even say it, it says uh, that this this really gives a, an idea of what of reincarnation without needing to appeal to religious ideology. That's the beauty of this article, I think, because uh, I mean we're all working on on this stuff just to get to be more more better folks and more balanced and less reactive and all that. I mean you know that's our day to day job, whether they're or not they're multiverses or whatever uh that's as the buddha said none of your business so uh our business is you know and then go- is to in- internally investigate to you know get at true nature and shed you know some of the stuff that prevents us from un- from knowing that so this kind of stuff though uh is just substantiates without the ideology of eastern mysticism particularly it substantiates the uh reality uh that is uh, that that of what consciousness is what the soul is what you know uh, p- pure nature is so i think from that point of view it's really great and uh have you had enough of it now for for the moment yeah 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 well, I mean, you could. It's, could you? It's so you could, much to ponder on. You know, my brain hurts. I know. Maybe you could. You could go off on on that other, another tangent though for a minute. That would be. <laughs> you don't fun. mean another Amazon
1: hateful rant.
0: Yeah. Um, no. You want to? Okay. This is, this is more funny. Uh, okay. Maybe I don't know. Okay. okay just, just this is, um, <laughs> this is about. It's a joy to discover. That most everyone is secretly as wretched as I am. (laughs) This is what this article is about. This is from the New York Times. Um, According to the calendar, our long, dark winter is over, yet these five months without light or exercise, hunching our shoulders in pain whenever we stepped outside, binging on Netflix, Jiffy Pop and Booze and whatever else, have left us all at the ends of our respective ropes. Why does it snow? Now, by the end of it, I find myself inappropriately cheered by glimpses of my fellow human being's despair. (laughs) Um, Example. My friend Kevin urgently texted me from a stall of the men's room at work to inform me that someone in there was evidently in dire emotional and gastrointestinal distress. (laughs) I'm... uh, eluding a lot of uh editing a lot of the detail here i'm and, really glad. yeah if he did uh, no he did i didn't oh, he's saying oh, okay. this yeah ending with the intelligence stage whis- whispered in all capitals and i think he's crying <laughs> it filled me with a soaring joy
1: <laughs> oh this
0: is the result of of being confined you know with in, in, with this horrible winter that we have now it's you know this is spring. This isn't uh, Schadenfreude. Do you know Schadenfreude? Yeah, yeah.
1: Like I like him a
0: lot. It's a hymn. I thought it, it's a phrase. <laughs> I'm oh, just oh, It's something more complicated.
1: And yeah, most of the things I watch on television are because of Schadenfreude. Really? I think I've come to that conclusion that I I kind of enjoy watching other people in difficulties, which is awful.
0: Okay, so as I, this, uh, there isn't a, a German. Uh, this isn't a German compound, but if if there were, it'd be something like multi, uh, multi Freud, compassion joy, compassion in the literal literal sense of suffering with. Right, it is the happiness or at least consolation of knowing that things are tough all over, that everyone else is secretly as wretched as I am all of us weeping and pooping, Googling, and God knows what else. Um, I mean, who would think to write an article about This is a real truth. I mean, this is Larry David in spades, right? Larry David yeah. left alone yeah. in an apartment for a winter and, and you know, left alone to his own devices. Um, anyhow, there, there's no moral to this story whatsoever, no, I don't it, think. it reminds
1: me of something. On um, this season, the penultimate season of Mad Men, Don Draper, John Hamm, has been humiliated beyond words in every way after being sort of cock of the hoop and being obnoxious and a megalomaniac and so on, but lovable in a way. Now he's reduced to working for people he doesn't like. He's no longer the boss. He's treated horribly. Everything's falling apart. He's just a mess. And the thing is, why do we want to, you know, why would anybody want to experience that when, you know, it's hard enough in life to get through the day in a positive manner, but we, I watched it this week, and um, I was moved because of the art of it, you know, that he was so
0: so in charge. But don't give so, it away. Some people haven't seen the last episode. Well, you know, I, all right. Of course, this, yeah. I mean, it's not know. the last episode. It's it, this is I mean the episode most previous four episode. Yeah.
1: But, I mean, they know already that Don's going through a hard time, and I think that, you know, much art... Is concerned with observing um, the foibles of an incarnation. You know, uh, the great Gatsby. You know, and novels and people just tortured, and we we read them and recognize in that that we're universally, you know, got our particular exact karma to deal with, and that even if you are aware of the great, you know, universal truths, you still have to deal with the fact that you get angry at a moment's notice or you're jealous or. The lust factor is growing rather than diminishing you know things like that and art really pinpoints that even you know all art jane austen you know homer shakespeare you know everything it just shows us as to be basically in trouble a lot of the time and uh, that's where art ends and spiritual practice Mm -hmm. begins which is well that's okay that there's a lot of trouble but aren't there techniques to reduce our reactivity to that to that you know, the horrors of of not even our own lives but being in, interconnected by media to other lives that we would never know about. The fact that 200 schoolgirls got absconded, you know, taken away for and, and maybe sold as slaves in, in a place in Africa is enormously disturbing, I think, to the compassionate uh, soul. And yet we're, we're receiving that information. Uh, and I must say, I, I, I have some respect for people who say I don't want to receive that information too much. Yeah you know too much media news bad news is is unhealthy
0: yeah yeah that's a that's a whole other podcast about that yeah, reality it is. Yeah. um some people quite a lot of them evidently are sustained by the chicken soup for the soul book franchise that's a friend of ramdas's yet i requ- i think yet i require something more pungent than schmaltz in my emotional diet I love the way this guy writes. I never go to any movie I th- suspect might be about the triumph of the human spirit either. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's dark. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, okay, now it's this is shining a light on my own this rainbow of self. Did you uh, write this? I, I no, I, I could have. Oh. Maybe it's perverse of me, but I am comforted by the knowledge that we're all suffering a lot more than we let on. Yes. yes. I am not. Just ghoulishly thriving off others' pain. I'm happy to offer up my own if it's any use or consolation. Oh, God. A friend of mine, this is great. A friend of mine lost her father a few weeks ago and still lies awake at night, sick with guilt, torturing herself by wondering what she should have done differently in his last hours. I I ventured to confess to her, incommensurate to her own grief, though it was that I still wake up in the night panicking, that I might have accidentally killed my cat <laughs> with a flea flogger. A flea fogger. Even though the cat was 19 and obviously moribund, to my relief, this dis- delighted her. She now uses flea fogger as mental shorthand to stop herself from second guessing herself into insanity. <laughs> <laughs> oh this guy deserves this. this this is an opinion written by tim crider and the author of we learn nothing it's a book of a collection of essays and cartoons uh that i'm gonna get i mean he is really gotta i mean it could be just my bent dark thing you know sorry to confess out there just but yeah this really appealed to me it was terrible
1: Well, i mean you gotta have a of, uh,
0: <laughs> go to amazon and buy this book and give get some what's uh, the name
1: of the guy again
0: Tim Kreider, K-R-E-I-D-E-R, and I am sure you can find this book. Just go to Amazon, go through a mindrollingpodcast.com portal, which means put that Amazon link and up on your, uh, on your desktop. And, you know, what do they call it, Dave? Yeah, I mean... No, you no, know, what do you got to do? You got to put it somewhere. You got to put it on your desktop and... Yeah. It's not bookmark. F- bookmark it. That's it. I couldn't take the word.
1: Bookmark. It's not that hard. Just okay. Do it if All you right. Like so those. that that's
0: it. I I just I did. anyhow. This guy's wonderful. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's, you know. Look. I. I mean. I, the
1: book that i I've, I've been touting, this untethered soul. By I guess Michael Singer, which is people like I like it too because he says you know we suffer all the time so many thousands of split seconds, nanoseconds of suffering intrusions into our life all the time every day, and it's not that we're going to stop those. It's just as as he puts it, to untether ourselves from them so that we can notice them, we see the the anxiety, the angst, and the stress and the fear and all of that, but we start to react less and less and less to them because of just having decided. Okay, the suffering's there, but I'm not, this this, not going to be guided by it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, that's so obvious to most people. I don't know why I said it.
0: But. Uh, and he, this, he goes on here. <laughs> a few days ago, I got dumped. The pro- problem with breakup talks is that only one of you has a script. The other one just sits there stupidly, mouth open, not understanding anything, <laughs> oh, saying God. things like, so wait, is this a breakup talk? <laughs> As I write this, our brief fake-out spring has been temporarily revoked, and it's raw and wet and cold out again, the wind maliciously ripping umbrellas inside out, mocking our pitiful, spindly defenses. I saw people literally screaming as the wind hit them in the streets, (laughs) not in pain so much as there is no God outrage and despair. I'm still trying to reconstruct the breakup conversation, trying to make sense of what was said and belatedly coming up with responses. It's one of those days where you have to force yourself through the motions when the accumulated number of times you've had to make coffee and brush your teeth in your life seems too much to be borne, And doing the laundry like one of the labors of Hercules. Someone should just kill me. You sit on the edge of the bed for just one more minute, psyching yourself up to put on another sock and commence yet another Tuesday. Why can't I cry? Where's my refund? Do they still make lewds? (laughs) There's no redeeming thing on this article. It's fantastic. Well, Um, you know, it's like Louis C.K.
1: time. Yeah, yeah, really. His entire career is based on the fact that, you know, life is so, so difficult. (laughs) And and he's so unworthy of even being alive, according to himself. That's why people like him, because he's very, he gets into the nooks and crannies of of individual, you know, angst and, and, and despair, really. Um, it, a little too much of it makes me a little uncomfortable. So I have to then go and watch Julie Andrews or and, <laughs> no. and one of those movies. No, yeah. that's a lie. But, you know, um, this guy, I hope he's, you know, either reconciled with his girlfriend or boyfriend <laughs> uh, or has found someone else. Because that's one of the hardest things, isn't it? It's weird. But uh, a friend of mine has just um, had this experience.
0: um, What experience? uh,
1: Breaking up. And Neil Sedaka's now forgotten song, Breaking Up Is Hard To Do, is probably the truest title of any song, any love song. It really kills you. You just get completely traumatized and you don't know. your, Your vision of the universe Grays like a fog comes over you and you just don't care. About anything, I'm just done. She threw me away. I'm done, and you know, <laughs> on top of the weather, so you're, you're breaking up in a blizzard. Basically, this <laughs> guy is really, really messed.
0: All right, I have, have the, the antidote. The- Remember, we had a show. We had the antidote to the antidote this miserable, antidote. An dark, antidote to yeah, yeah to so. just looking out there, and you know, it's the opposite of the of the Buddhist thing of. Uh, compassionate, uh, what's it called, sympathetic joy. <laughs> this article was the opposite of yeah. sympathetic joy. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's the antidote to get you into uh, sympathetic joy. They, This is another article from the New York Times by Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton. And what they are talking about is uh, they did some experiments, some behavioral, they're behavioral scientists, they approached commuters in a Chicago-area train station and asked them to break the rules. In return for a $5 Starbucks gift card, these commuters agreed to participate in a simple experiment during their train ride. One group was asked to talk to the stranger who sat down next to them on the train that morning. The other were told to follow standard commuter norms, keep to themselves. By the end of the train rider ride, commuters who talked to a stranger reporting having a more positive experience than those who had sat in solitude. If the idea of talking to a random seatmate fills you with dread, you're not alone, okay? Everybody has that, you know, I mean, we all know it. You get on a train or you get into any public kind of a thing anywhere, you know, it's, it's get into your cocoon. So um, why are the, these predictions and experience so at odds? Be- most people imagine it would be difficult to start a conversation, They estimated that fewer than half of their fellow commuters would want to talk to them. But in fact, not a single person reported having been snubbed in the attempt to make a conversation. And the conversations were consistently uh, pleasant. And, And according to the study published in Science, commuting is associated with fewer positive emotions than any other common daily activity. By putting our earbuds and avoiding contact... We are following a collective assumption that turns out to be false. And so this whole, uh, you know, the article goes on and talks about how just the act of starting a conversation with somebody is an act of generosity. And in that, and then that gets responded. And then suddenly there's a, they don't call it sympathetic joy. But, you know, uh, and sympathetic joy is, is basically you're happy when good things happen to people, but in this case, you're happy when you've actually communicated in a positive way with somebody else. You're happy for them. You're happy for themselves. And that, it reminds me, uh, you know, I know uh, we did, we've talked about this, uh, about our retreat that we did with Ramdas and Sharon a few weeks ago in Maui. And I remember at one point, Ram Dass was talking and said, you know, it's... Uh, it's a million small things that um, make the face of compassion a reality. It's not the big things. And he said, you're just walking on the street or anywhere in public and you pass somebody, smile. Just smile and and contact that person with your eyes and smile. That uh, That... That is, we just got to start there for ourselves and for uh, you know our, anybody. And this this uh, this experiment, these behavioral scientists, uh, proved this out. It was such a positive. They have some amazing pictures, by the way, in, in there. Um, the article's called "Hello Stranger," Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton. You might want to read it. Um, they also took. Incredible pictures of strangers, and they put them together in intimate—I don't mean sexual—intimate settings, just very, very close. The people were, were, were contacted bodily wise in one way or another. Um, and I just think that that uh, you know, and it's like Maharaji. When people would ask Neem Karoli Baba, uh, Guru, our Guru, when people would ask him how to elevate themselves into various spiritual realms. And they would want to know what kind of austerities, you know, like lie in bed of nails kind of stuff, although, you know, meditate for four years in a cave. You know, what what can we do to uh, elevate our spiritual consciousness? And, you know, it's the famous feed people, love people, and remember God. Love, serve, remember you know and it's such a an abs. so and people well that's too simplistic of course you know when he said it and you were in that presence it was so profound it was beyond words but if, when i say it or when one of us said it you know whatever i mean depends on your experiential uh knowing of that reality as to how people can receive it um you know like ramdas people receive it quite well from ramdas because he's really living in it so uh but the bottom line is we just got to make one small tiny teeny step of just you know just turning someone and smiling you know and then of course engaging people with a conversation i'd love that that this was proved out i think that that this is just Mm -hmm. spectacular
1: yeah i mean it, it it's, it, and it's
0: the antidote it, to that crazy article.
1: Well, it is really. I mean, the smile. You know. I mean, you know, what is the Sanskrit um, Viveka, Is that the word for discrimination? Yeah, yeah, Viveka. Yeah, that. I would just add to that simply that there's a guy that I know lives near me that I've been seeing for a quarter of a century, and I um, have habitually smiled at him to the point where. Um, I think it's perverse of me because he just simply scowls back at me every time with a positive <laughs> yeah. come, And I think it's probably time that I gave that one up, <laughs> uh, you know. But, I mean, you have to be sort of careful in this modern world because it's, you know, you, you have to be. Uh, but smiling is a very beautiful, beautiful miracle, really, that a, a movement of your mouth and your eyes can open up a heart. Mm. Um, but as I say, the discriminatory factor is is there, you don't want
0: to... Um, yeah, running up just, to people and grinning in their yeah. face is not going to work. No, let that no. go. And let this old guy, what, 35 years later, will you leave him alone already? I mean, come on. That's not nice. Poor guy.
1: I was once, you know, I was once <laughs> on a plane, and I was in a first-class thing for some reason. But I was sitting in the two seats that were kind of in the middle. It was weird. They were very comfortable. but They were in the middle, and there were other first-class seats. And I got on the plane, and then someone got on late and sat next to me. And I kind of looked at him and I sort of didn't look at him because he was a big guy. And I just was not looking at him. And for an hour, we were flying across the Atlantic. And then he tapped me on the shoulder and he literally tapped me on the shoulder and said, so you don't know who I am? And I said, ah, not really. And he wasn't being obnoxious. He was just smiling at me. And I said, well, no. He (laughs) said, I'm meatloaf. Oh, so, you know, it's a true story, and I, I said, oh, meatloaf, oh, you're meatloaf, Now he recently <laughs> had a crew cut, he always had long hair, you know, oh, back yeah. out of hell days, whatever, and I was never a huge fan of his, but then... We got into a Transatlantic conversation, which was just pure delightful and friendly Mm. and and, uh, not one-sided. And he was an extremely um, listening person. But it was his smile that opened me up. You know, the fact that he was famous was sort of nothing to this at all. It was just nice. Mm. But, you know, uh, you're so right. You get on any public transportation or anything and you sort of dread. Please no one sit next to me. is the first stage. I I want that for my bag or just for nothing. (laughs) For my for my invisible friend, I yeah. want or her there, you know. And then mm. someone comes, sits down, and is perfectly charming and wonderful, and can actually, you know, sort of evaporate your blues, maybe, you know, in a way that that proves, doesn't
0: it? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So, don't that, worry, be happy. May her bother Yes. Don't be worry,
0: be happy. Don't yeah. worry, be happy, and share that with somebody. That's all. That's the starting point for everything. Well, we're at the end of it now. We're at the end of this uh, show, and. um I You know, uh, listen, if you can't, I'm going to whine now, okay? Yeah, please. If you don't buy shit on Amazon, people don't buy it. You know, and if you don't, you can go audiobooks, audible.com slash trial. Just go up to mindrollingpodcast.com and hit that thing, and we get 15 bucks for everybody gets a free trial. You get a few books. If you don't like it, you quit after a month. So that's another way. But if you don't do that, you can buy some T-shirts and mugs. And if you don't do that, simply... Throw a few bucks onto the donate button. Just hit the donate button, okay, everybody? We, we love you. We appreciate you. Um, and uh, all, the, all you guys out there that are going to sleep uh, to mind rolling, um, okay, and waking up in the middle of the night uh, with some cra- voice scaring the shit out of you, I'm sorry about that. Um, Dave, we shall see you next week. Yes, and thank are you, you still? You have perfect. blogs going. Keep the blogs going because uh, people like that.
1: Yeah, I do. I've been a little bit, uh, you know, a and, little bit
0: not doing it. Oh, and uh, you know what? Could I you, have done reason. Yeah. Could you cut up, uh, day, uh, cut up uh, um, uh, this program that we, the last show that we did, right? Uh, joseph goldstein can you just cut up a couple of those pith you know just sound bites that would help us all and we'll we'll put that on social media yeah yeah Yeah. and tell your friends everybody you know we get such great feedback uh yeah we we would love to uh to have more people around the world listening so uh love you and mindrollingpodcast.com go there and we'll see you next week bye dave bye robin